I'm John Hanson Flashin, editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. I have the distinct pleasure today of talking with Sonia Buist. Dr. Buist is Professor Emerita at the Oregon Health and Science University and the past president of the American Thoracic Society. At an age when others retired to play golf or bridge, Sonia founded MECOR for the American Thoracic Society. Now nearly 20 years later, this multinational lung health development program is widely recognized as a central gem in the crown of the ATS. Sonia, what is MECOR? MECOR is a program, the ATS program, uh, and MECOR stands for Methods in Epidemiologic, Clinical, and Operations Research. So it's a program that is designed to improve global lung health by training people in low and middle income countries how to do research so that they will be in a better position to solve the health problems in their country. So it's a capacity building program. Well, thank you, Sonia. How did you develop the idea to start the program and how did you get started? When I was president in 1990, one of the things I really wanted to do during my presidency was to expand the reach of the American Thoracic Society to make it much more of an international organization. And so one of the things I really wanted to do was to see what we could do to help low and middle income countries. Uh, I grew up in a colonial background. I was born in India and received all my education in Scotland. And so I was very aware of the, the problems in the developing world. And my thought was that the best way to improve global lung health was to teach people in low and middle income countries how to solve their own healthcare problems because Realistically, the advances in the developing world are really going to come from people in those places learning how to solve their own problems rather than just, just being given handouts. So that's what I wanted to do, to develop a capacity building program to teach people how to do research so that they could solve their own problems. How did it get started? Well, I presented the idea to Marilyn Hansen, who was then executive director of the ATS. She was very, very supportive. And so we searched under all the mattresses the first few years to try and find some modest funding to get the program started. And so we managed to get the program started in 1994, and the ATS board at that time strongly recommended that we focus on Latin America. And so that's, where, that's what we did, and we developed the MECOR program model in Latin America, and then later on we were able to bottle it and export it to other countries. Sonia, I don't really suspect that people listening today realize how novel your idea and approach was just 20 years ago. Beyond the perpetual concerns about funding, and I know that continues to the present, what were the biggest challenges you faced along the way in developing and expanding the program? Well, let me just explain the way the model works a little more. The MECOR program is a series of 
training programs to teach people how to do research. So level one is really focuses on methodology and design of studies that can be used in, in clinical and epidemiologic research. Then that builds to level two, and then level three and level four, and we've had one level five. So these are one-week, very, very intensive uh, uh, courses in teaching people how to do uh, research. Now, you asked what the challenges are. The way the model works is that we introduce the MECOR program into a country, let's say in Latin America, the subcontinent of Latin America, and we would run these courses concurrently, levels one, two, three, four, at the same time, uh, once a year. And we've uh, the program in Latin America has been going since 1994. That was the first year. And as I say, we've developed the program over those uh, 18 to 20 years. The biggest challenge has been to recruit faculty within the MECOR countries and to train them up with the idea that they will take over the program and run it for their country. So the way the model has evolved is that as new countries start, uh, we enter a five-year cycle. So we start, the biggest problem with the MECOR program, as you've already alluded to, is sustainability. How can we sustain a program over uh, many years after the ATS has left? So what we've developed is a five-year cycle. The two news countries this year were Indonesia and China. So we start talking to them at the beginning of the five-year cycle about sustainability. How, uh, what are the ways in which they will try to uh, continue and sustain the program after uh, ATS leaves. Um, so the biggest challenge, the biggest challenges are first of all financial, how are we going to run the program, and secondly, how are we going to find faculty within that country and then train them so they can eventually uh, take over the program and we can move on to another country. So the challenges are obviously the financial challenges and recruiting faculty and teach. Those are the main problems. Sonia, somehow you've managed to overcome the challenges to extend BCOR beyond a thriving program in Latin America to China and Indonesia, as you mentioned, also to Vietnam, to Africa, to Turkey, and to India. What do you see as the future for the program? Well, my crystal ball is a little murky on, on that. There is a huge uh, interest and demand in the MECOR program in, in many countries. What I would like to see happen is that the model that we've developed, the five-year cycle, that, that this works in the various countries you've, you've mentioned, so that ideally uh, we enter China, we entered China this year in April, and ideally over five years or maybe longer, we will be able to hand over the program in India, in, in China, to, uh, to the Chinese. The same with Indonesia, the same with India, the same with Vietnam, and so on. So 
The idea is as we start new programs, then uh, as we, uh, as we um, f finish cycles with existing programs, we take on new countries. Now, Latin America is the only program at present that we have actually handed over. And the Latin American program was the one that uh, we started with and was the one in which we developed the model. So that's been actually going for uh, almost 20 years. And we spent that time developing the model so that we it was ready to export to other countries. The program in Latin America has been handed over to the Latin American Thoracic Society, or ALAT. This happened last year. So uh, that program is now the responsibility of ALAT, which is how we like to see all the other programs. So the child grows up and then becomes independent. and. The steps to independence are that we identify and bring in local faculty or train up people that go through the various levels of MECOR and can become faculty. So over the last few years in Latin America, um, the faculty positions have been taken up by MECOR students. And uh, then that evolved to the point in which all of the leaders of the different levels were past MECOR students. So that's the kind of uh, um, developmental or evolutionary process that we uh, envisage. The struggle is always, as I said, to uh, sustain the program because uh, they do cost and we do have to find local resources and local faculty. Um, so that's the, the future, I think, is a little uncertain in the sense that um, it's very difficult to meet the challenges that I've talked about. However, I continue to be optimistic and the programs we started this year China and Indonesia, I think, are going to be great successes. And I think all of the existing programs, um, the outcomes are very good. So the MECOR program is really working. I'd like to add that for several years now, you've been able to uh, invite MECOR students to attend the annual conference of the ATS with the benefit of travel awards and uh, have a poster discussion session that allows for students from various programs at various levels to compare notes with one another, get to know one another, and I'm sure that one of your goals in those annual meetings are to cross-pollinate some of the ideas for how to bring the courses into local leadership. Sonia, uh, many young people in pulmonary and critical care aspire to be active in service to the health of third world nations. Uh, during their careers. You've been extraordinarily successful at that. What advice do you have for young physicians who might be listening in with us? I think the trend over the last decade or so has clearly been that many graduates now, many people in their fellowship programs are clearly very interested in uh, working or helping out in developing countries. There are several different approaches they could take. One is that going to the uh, international conference, going to the posters or going to talks from people from other countries, 
seeking them out, talking to them, finding out what they're doing, finding out if there are common interests and ways in which they could be, um, they could interact or be helpful. That would be very, that would be a very important uh, way to go because most of the people in the resource poor countries desperately need mentors. They need people who they can talk to, that they can correspond with, they can talk on Skype with, they can uh, talk through their ideas and, and I think that is one way for ATS members to become involved. So do the networking at the international meeting. Also, within the assembly structure, there's uh, most of the assemblies have an international committee and perhaps becoming involved or volunteering for the international committee. They will meet people from other countries and find out what's going on. Corresponding with uh, authors of papers they see in the various journals. I think there is a real need on the part of the people in the um, resource poor countries to have somebody at the end of email, have somebody at the end of Skype that they can talk to, they can ask advice from. So it's really up to the individual who's interested to seek out ways that in, in which they can help other people. Uh, there are a number of programs, the Fogarty Center at NIH, the various institutes of, of NIH have global programs. Individual institutions in, uh, in the U.S. have global centers. So there are lots of potential opportunities, but the opportunities are not going to come to them. They have to go and seek them out. They're there, and people really, really need the help of the ATS members. Sonia, many people have worked with you on MECOR over the years. Are there several individuals you'd particularly like to acknowledge and thank for their contributions to the development of MECOR? Well, the first person on that list is uh, Fran Dumelli, who is the Senior Director for International uh, Activities um, in ATS. She is the person who, she's the staff person responsible for ATS, uh, for MECOR, and she has been incredibly supportive and, and helpful in uh, fighting for MECOR within, within ATS. So, Fran, uh, I, I really would like to acknowledge her. Phil Hopewell has been very, very supportive as well. He has uh, much of his, his work um, is in the international area in tuberculosis, and uh, he has been uh, very, very helpful in all of our discussions and planning um, for probably about 15 years or so. Uh, and then at the beginning of MECOR, Marilyn Hansen, who was uh, um, executive director of ATS, uh, she saw the vision and she supported it. And then Carl Buberg, the next uh, executive director, uh, the same. So, uh, and Steve Crane, the present CEO, is very supportive. So. We need the support within the ATS. We, the, the leadership, the leadership have all been very supportive. So uh, we need all the help we can get, and I'd like to acknowledge them. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. Long live MECOR, and long live you, Sonia.
Thank you, John. Much appreciated and uh, happy to uh, respond to any questions people may have uh, about, about MECOR or, or interest in participating.